0: What it do, DMV, episode 54 of Chirpin' DMV. We're killing time. We're still quarantined. I think we're on week five now. But uh, just me and A.B. on right now, uh, we're going to be joined by our guy, Shane Willis, our reoccurring guest, Carolina Hurricanes. I guess our official insider here Chirpin' DMV. So, A.B., what's happening? And official friend. Official, now he's twice. official friend and official insider. So what's <laughs> up?
1: Uh, nothing much, man. I'm just, you know, just playing a lot of video games, honestly. True. Same, same, same. You're
0: just playing Warzone and NHL and FIFA? Yep, just Warzone and the shit out of some people. <laughs> yep. Um, like we said, we do got Shane coming on. He's on for about a half hour. Always good talking to him. Um, we got some fun stuff out of him. But uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a – we'll do a little intro segment uh, with us two real quick. And then we'll put the intro song on, and then we'll let it just flow right into Shane. So, we'll do a snake draft here. The Capitals posted a thing the other day. It's a pick 'em. your 3v3 overtime team. Two forwards attending a defenseman. Um hell of a list here. New school, old school. Um, so we'll snake draft Do You wanna go first?
1: Uh no, I'll let you go first.
0: All right. Uh well. I think I'm gonna go Ovechkin first, obviously. Yeah, I figured. I'm gonna go Obi first. So go ahead. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Adam Oates. I was gonna pick him next. year I was gonna say Oates addition to Obi would have been lit.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Oates. And uh, I'm going to go. Oh, this is tough. I think I'm going to go with Koozie.
0: So, Oats and Koozie. All right. I've got Ovi and Bondra. I'll go with Bondra. Bondra and Ovi together. Okay. And I, the fact that Simmons on this list is kind of fucking hilarious. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but I guess this list is Caps in their prime. So. With Ovi and Bonjour if I want a guy in their prime on defense to score a goal on Mike Green.
1: Uh yeah, that's who I was gonna go with is Mike Green. Um I don't know, this is tough. I mean you got you got Langway, who's like the first capital ever, basically.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you got Sergei Gonchar, who's a fucking stud with the puck.
0: Yep. J- Johnny. John, I mean
1: Johnny C, but I mean He's right now. He's leaving kind of a sour taste in my mouth, and he did not play that good this year. <laughs> Kelly Johansson was sick. I mean, you got Scott Stevens, but not like prime, prime Scott Stevens. Um, I mean, three on three, you want someone moving the puck. I think Sergey Gonchar was that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Gonchar.
0: So you got. All right, so pick your goalie next, since it is snake draft. I gotta go. Holpy. Yeah. Alright, so I'll go Kolzik then. So you got Hopi, Gonchar, um, Oates and Koozie. oats and Koozie. So I'm gonna write these down real quick. I got Ovi, Bondra, Green, Green, Kolzik, and we'll let the what we'll the fans on Insta choose who would win. Um some of the guys that got left off the list, let's see, we'll go some of the guys that got left off the list, Backstrom, Oshie, Oshi, Gardner, Pivanka, Marouk, Simon, Carlson, Johansson, uh, Langway, Murphy, Hatcher, Stevenson, Jose Theodore, Kerry, and uh Berube. Yeah, How the fuck did Theodore make it on there, dude? That's crazy. Yeah, because was he even that great
1: for us? No, we called him Jose Three or more. Yeah, we did. <laughs> he three or
0: more goals every fucking time, dude. Yeah, he did. Well, that's all we got for that. We figured we'd give the people a nice little quick intro, so let's get into the intro song and toss it to Shane Willis. He yeah.
1: didn't want to let Backstrom down. He didn't want to let OV down.
0: If I go to Rocket Bar, I know I'm getting pretty fucked up. I think this is a good player. He's a very good, skilled player
1: hurricanes are fucking garbage dude if you played the billy bruins back in the day you knew this place. all
0: right guys for now welcome back on uh reincurring guests i guess you can call him our hurricane insider now it's shane willis shane what's going on man how you been
2: uh, it's been good you know obviously everyone's dealing with the stay at home order and uh getting through this uh tough time of this pandemic and getting some work done and trying to uh settle in and learn how to work from home a little bit more and make sure you stay focused.
0: Yeah. So I guess, yeah, first thing, how are you and family doing? Uh, I hope everyone's staying safe and all. And yeah, you've been working from home pretty much all the time.
2: Yeah. Family's good. Everyone's good down here. So uh, the hurricanes as much as everyone else shut down the offices and, you know, has everyone working from home right now to get things done, but uh, you know, staying busy with a lot of things going on, building new programs and then continuing to try and plan for the summer and you know, dealing with the pandemic that's going on, trying to see as far into the future as you can and kind of wait for word to if you can keep promoting your summer camps or if things are going to need to get postponed. And, you know, I think we'd all love to have answers to that, but it's just something we don't have right now. We kind of just sit and wait and, you know, hopefully we can get back on track as soon as we can.
0: Yeah, so I'd ask you kind of what you've been doing the past time, but you seem pretty busy and, like you said, you're crunching some deadlines and also what you're allowed to say so what kind of stuff have you been working on with the canes and with the nhl and um during this kind of like unforeseen situation here
2: yeah we're working on things obviously when the season came to a halt uh we had some things as far as teams were putting together you're always trying to build new uh whether it be grassroots programming or things that work in your community that you want to build on and we had some deadlines to meet to submit some requests for funding from the nhl as they continue to help teams around the league, you know, especially at the grassroots level and how they can support financially. And uh, so we're looking at, you know, three programs we submitted that we hope we get some funding support from the NHL that we can launch in the fall and continue to grow, not only youth hockey-wise, but uh, with some of our school programming around here and then with our mobile marketing tour that we have that goes around to uh, numerous uh, different events and continues to promote the brand. For sure. So, um,
1: what is your opinion on the NHL, what the NHL does this season, uh, if you have any at this point? I mean, there's been a lot Talked of about a lot it. of speculation going on about, like, whether we're playing in July, uh, whether we just cancel the season altogether and when next season starts. So, what do you think is going to happen?
2: Well, I mean, as a fan, I think, you know, everyone would love to see the season finish off and the playoffs go – on uh, as we've seen in the past and whether it be in the summer or late in the summer, get this season done, because I think there was so many great storylines that were building around the league. Um, so many tight races to get them those final playoff positions as the hurricanes were. And, um, you know, as a fan, everyone wants to get back on track and back into the rinks and, and see hockey games played again. I know everyone's starving to watch professional sports again at home as you guys did at home. Don't try find someone to watch on TV Uh, The NHL will be, you know, muchly appreciated once it gets back on ice. But obviously the first thing at hand is everyone's safety and the country's safety. Yeah. Dealing with this. That's, that's the hard part with players. I mean, they're at home too, um, trying to work out as much as they can in their own homes and staying close there and staying safe themselves. So there's so many question marks on what's going to happen and what could happen. But I know each and every week there's different scenarios put out there. And I know the the owners and the general managers and the league are working extremely hard to kind of put different things in place to say, hey, if we get here, maybe we could do A, maybe we could do B, maybe we could do C. But I think as a fan, everyone wants to see the National Hockey League back as soon as they can get there.
0: I mean, yeah, you you mentioned all the scenarios. I mean, you're a former player. If, what What would be most appealing to you if you were a player right now? I mean, there's been the – you know, they go – a lot of teams are at 68 to 70 games right now. You roll it back to 62 and go from standings there. You try to finish off some type of regular season. There's been the idea of yeah, the 2014 playoff thrown around. I mean, if you're a player, I mean, what's your ideal situation? What would you most – what would most benefit you and your team?
2: Well, I think a player coming in, you obviously want to have a little bit of time to get right back up to 100% conditioning-wise, mentally yeah. and physically. But – I think every player wants to see every game played out. As I said before, there's so many tight races, and um, to be fair around the league, uh, to play all the games would really be the best way to do it. I don't think anyone wants to see anyone cut short and left out of the playoff picture when they have an absolute chance to get in. And I think that's what all the players are about to see it. They want to play out, they want to prove their worth, not only to their own organization, but to the league, and then go into the playoffs and have another dynamic outcome and run as we've seen in years past yeah
1: i mean it's it's kind of diff- ultimately it feels like it has to be the player's decision because it's their bodies that they're sacrificing in it and it's like if they want to like if they're saying they this might endanger the, them and their families and they don't want to play you can't force these guys to play and there's been i feel like there's been players like drew dowdy where I mean the Kings are out of it and he's like there's no there's no F and Way that we can play and then there's other teams that are like right in the playoff hunt they're like, No, we have to finish out the season. That's just I feel like it's almost like fifty fifty when it comes to that split.
2: Yeah, I think that's the other thing you look at. There's definitely the business side of it that the league looks at and they want to play and the players wanna to fight tooth and nail to get to the Stanley Cup finals and, and win, you know, as we consider the best trophy in professional sports and they know how hard that is. Right. But at the same time when you hear you know, the physicians and the country talk about potentially a second wave. It comes into your own, you know, lifestyles as well and the safety of not only you as a player but your families as well and, and being there for them if things were to happen.
0: Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, let's let's kick it over to your team. I mean, when the season ended, you guys were first in the wild card. I mean, if the playoff started the day the season ended, it's Caps versus Canes again. I mean, take us through how was Carolina going. I mean, we hadn't played you guys since – when me and A.B. were down there for that January 2nd or 3rd game. I mean, you guys won a four-game losing streak, ended it, and then finished on a three-game winning streak for everything at all.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit up and down as we got to the uh, kind of pause there. But I think the Hurricanes were starting to really find their way and find their game as they did last year late in the season. Um, you saw different guys kind of stepping in. They had a few injuries. You know, one of the main ones in Dougie Hamilton, they made some key trades at the deadline to acquire players to help their lineup. And I think, uh, you know, the Canes were sitting ready and poised to make another run, you know, definitely get in the playoffs. And as you said, if it was to go into the win percentage, we'd be back to what we saw last year, Hurricanes versus Caps in in round one. And I don't think any fan would be opposed to seeing that again because what an epic battle we saw last year in that seven-game series.
1: Uh, Who do you think was the MVP of the Canes this season if the season ended today?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. I think, you know, there's a few guys that could fit into that. I think early on, um, most of the votes would have went to Dougie Hamilton before he got injured, you know, and it's such a tough injury for him having an outstanding season. But Sebastian Ajo continues to fill in with the superstar of the Hurricanes, hoped he would, and really carry this team. And then, You look at a young player in Andrei Svechnikov in his second season, really developing into that elite sniper that the Hurricanes wanted when they selected him second overall.
1: Yeah, and it felt like from what I saw of the Canes, I mean, that team just feels like a complete team bought into Rod Brandenmore's system. I mean, it it is hard to just narrow it down. But like you said, to me, yeah, Sebastian Aja and Svechnikov are the two guys that always stand out. And you did mention – the deadline pickups. Who you? I forget who you picked up. Was it
2: Trochek? Um, And then uh, from the Devils, we picked up Votnin on defense, oh, who was cool. injured coming in. But, you know, uh, going into the playoffs with the amount of injuries that happened, uh, to have a depth offensive defenseman, another guy like that, uh, was going to be a key pickup for the Canes as well. Yeah, he's a good
1: puck moving defenseman. Uh, how did how did they play? Well, how did Trocheck play? I guess for the games that you guys had him.
2: I think you know if you were to ask Vincent on his game, I think he struggled early. Uh, you know, any guys involved in a trade, they know it's tough when they leave a place in Florida that he was so vested in. But coming in, I thought he started to settle in. Uh, you know, with Rod Brindamore trying to find wingers that suited him best, he started to play much better. Before the pause, Uh, as I said, Vatman wasn't playing. And then another player we picked up was Brady Shea from the New York Rangers. Just another depth defenseman, big physical guy who skates so well. And we know how much that needs to happen in the playoffs. And I think he started really playing a lot better. Again, getting into the system of where, you know, our defensemen really have a green light to jump in offensively. And Brady Shea was starting to find his way uh, before the pause. Right.
0: That, that's kind of an interesting situation. I mean, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I mean, there's I don't know if I don't know the details with you guys at the trade deadline in terms of like if you sign Trocheck immediately to like a multi-year deal or if it's just like play him out to the end of the season. But like in the cap scenario, we get Kovalchuk, who we know is just to come in help us in the playoffs and go from there. But he's gone at the end of the season, and but we didn't give up much for him. We didn't. We, I think we gave up a late draft pick. Uh-huh. Uh, but there are some teams that went for these high caliber free agents to make a playoff push. Um, and dumped a lot into it. I mean, I don't know exactly what Vancouver did with Toffoli, but, I mean, did you guys have that type of scenario? And then what's what's, what's your thought process on teams that, you know, potentially will lose out on a player that been to make a push, but they might have given up a ton of assets for it?
2: Yeah, and as we've seen over the past few years, the high-risk trades of the players that you mentioned that are are expiring haven't really worked out a lot in the past for teams. I think the Hurricanes went in with the mindset to sign players who had term. Brady Shea still has term. Vincent Trocek still has a year left on his deal. Vatnin was the only guy who was going to become a UFA. But I think they looked at him as Dougie Hamilton's out. We don't know if he's going to make it back Extend at him. some point in the first round or in the second round. It gives you that depth, extra player, and extra legs uh, inside your locker room if you need it. But I think the Hurricanes did a great job of trading away some picks, uh, and a couple key players in the Trochik trade. Um,
0: yeah, that, Eric Holla was. You know, like they, for you.
2: Yeah, he was doing well. I think he was one of the guys that was kind of started faltering a little bit before the trade deadline in mm-hmm. the system. Um, and the one big thing we've learned here that we saw last year: one of the biggest things you need is that locker room chemistry and everyone's buy-in. And I think that's where there was a little bit of a a bump in the road and, and some issues with Eric Holland. One of the reasons, again, he was a guy who was going to be a UFA. And when they looked at it long-term, I don't think Eric Holland was going to stay here. So I think they felt like he was expendable. And if they could move him for a guy, again, who has term, it might only be one year, but we have an upside like Vincent Trochick and a year left to work inside your system and see what he can do. I think that's a positive when you can trade for a guy like that.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's still the... Uh situation where things can play out, because I know, like, on our end, we would <laughs> love to see Culverchuk for more than six games or the seven games he played. Um, you mentioned that, you, you talked about that Caps-Carolina series. I mean, a lot of people don't speculate it during the season, but now that we're kind of at a halt, you can. Um, based on that Hurricanes team this year, I mean, who would have been your most favorable uh, playoff matchup, and who was a playoff matchup that you probably would have wanted to avoid the most?
2: Well, I think mean, going in, I think when we looked at we've always seen to play well against the Caps. Yeah. So I think the yeah. Hurricanes wouldn't be, you know, fearful or anything like that going into that series. Right. I think the one team is you fall into the wild card. If you got stuck playing the Bruins, I think we know how they play in the playoffs and, you know, what they did to the Hurricanes in the East final last year. I think that was a team, you know, between them and Tampa was probably a team that, uh, you know, teams would probably want to avoid just because of, the firepower they had, some of the players they added at the deadline, and then ultimately the goaltending they were getting at the pause um, before things got done.
1: Yeah, we would have, we probably would have agreed with you on the caps end. Uh, I think,
0: I think we, our, we said we would have avoided you and Philly.
1: Yeah, our least favorable matchup was probably with the Hurricanes because for some reason, whatever it is, just our, it feels like our defense can't handle the speed and the forecheck that the Hurricanes put on us. And then, it's,
0: Brandon Moore puts Todd Beirne's brain in a pretzel every time. Yeah. I, was.
1: I mean he just. He well, just and you
2: mentioned you mentioned the the Flyers might have been, you know, the hottest team going before yeah. the pause. I mean they were playing so well, they made some key acquisitions, and you know how physical, and with a young goaltender, um, and Carter Hart, if he could get hot, and backstop him like he was, I mean what a difference that could make as well. Yeah,
0: they 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 throttled us like twice in seven days right before the season paused.
1: Yeah, I think the ideal scenario for the Caps was for the Hurricanes to sneak into that third spot and have a Philly versus uh, Carolina first-round playoff, I guess, for us. As we, and then we. Yeah, um,
2: because, you know, I think Philly going in is probably, when you look at it, going into the first round, you know, even if it goes seven, you want to have a good battle. But Philly is going to put such a physical toll on yeah. any team yep. with the way they play. That's always a tough first-round matchup.
1: Yep, and they can score all pretty much up and down their roster. I mean, Claude Giroux, like, wasn't even their best player this year. He's normally looked at as their best player. Sean Couturier was lighting it up, and they had Travis Konechny lighting it up. I mean, that team – I mean, that team That team was loaded this year. Keep me out of it, yeah. So, um, so yeah, who is your – You? I guess you mentioned Boston and Tampa as your least favorable matchups in the playoffs.
2: And then you had Caps
0: kind of favorable.
2: Go ahead. Yeah. I think just when you have, when you have success against a team, like the hurricanes have against the caps, I think they look at that as favorable. And then any teams that you've struggled with, I mean, we struggle with Philly, Um, you know, Tampa is just so offensively talented. You don't want to get into a series of they come out of the gates in game one or two and really unload. I mean, that just gives them the momentum to keep going. And um, I think the hurricanes would love to settle in and, and get a team that they can skate with and put the pressure on, like you mentioned, that they do all the time right. uh, when we come up there and, and just play their system. But overall, again, I think the locker room, when you got a guy in there like Justin Williams and the leadership of Jordan Stahl, I think when you have that there, I don't think it's a fear factor. It's just a matter of who you match up against best.
1: All right. So um, switching gears a little bit here, uh, the David Ayers experience – yeah um, when the goal uh, the the emergency backup goalie who there for that or what 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 was the situation for that?
2: I was actually um in Quebec City, uh with our Pee Wee team and the Pee Wee tournament uh there the night of that game happened. I was watching the game on Hockey Night in Canada and it was interesting to watch. I know uh the stress level not only on the bench, but uh, you know, for all of our fans kinda went up when you saw David Ayers step on the ice and, you know, the first two shots basically go in on him and you're thinking, you know, what's about to happen? Are they going to shell us for 10 Yeah, or, um, you know, so many great stories. I think David Ayers did what he needed to do and made some good saves. But I mean, the positive to me coming out of that game was just how mentally tough and defensively sound the Hurricanes played. Yeah, And I think going into the playoffs to me, the coaching staff would use that game and be like, watch how we played here. It's this is a, how you need to play. And yeah. then you have an NHL goalie sitting there making the easy saves that you need, because, you know, again, when David Ayers stepped on the ice, I was sitting there watching and going, this was the best guy they could find in Toronto. I was just like, right. what's <laughs> about to happen? But, you know, a lot of the teams I think go about it, finding those guys of like how easy it is to find someone, you know, he's around the rinks, he's played before at high levels, but um, I know the league looked at it very closely Uh, The GM's talked about a lot during their meetings in Florida near the end of the season. And um, it's going to stay status quo as is for teams, but it's not something I don't think any coach, as you saw Rod Brindamore when David or stepped on the ice wanted to see, but uh, you could see his enthusiasm after the game for a moment like that. And I think that's one of the best things about Rod as he coaches, he knows those moments are things you remember and the things you can enjoy um, and build off of as a team. I right? think the Hurricanes were able to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, after watching that game, I watched a little bit of it, and it was uh, it was basically a picture perfect period by the Hurricanes after after the uh, first two goals uh, going into that third period. And uh, I think we were talking about it a little bit where it, it would be if if they can do that on a consistent basis, night in and night out, they're the scariest team in the NHL to shut down an offensive juggernaut like the Maple Leafs.
2: Well and I think that's the thing. That's the probably the most difficult part about playing professional sports is having that consistency night in and night out. And I think okay. the Hurricanes did that last year as they made their run into the playoffs. And then in the first round of the playoffs against the Caps, they were able to find that night in and night out. It wasn't there was a game that was a blowout either way. There were so many turns in the playoffs and emotional swings and I think the Hurricanes were able to build on that and find that consistency to carry not only the Caps series, but then into the Islanders series where they sweep them. And then they go into the Boston series where they got behind a little bit and weren't able to get back into that series. But that's such a big thing is find that consistency every night, not only physically, but mentally to stay inside your system. As you hear every coach talk about player system, player system. And when you play that way, you can play with anyone in the league. And that's when teams get hot. You see the exact same thing from every single line throughout a 60 minute game.
1: Right. Over the past two seasons or three seasons, the Caps bought into the Trots system finally, and then the Blues buy into a uh, Berube system. And then last year, or yeah, that was last year. So I mean, that's that's just how that's the the key recipe. It seems to success.
0: Sure. Yeah,
2: when you have when you have that consistency and everything, and then you know you get the breaks and a little bit of momentum on your side. Momentum is a huge factor in the playoffs as well. And uh, when you see the confidence building throughout your lineup, it's not only one line carrying you throughout, or you get a red hot power play that every time they come over the boards, they basically know. Well, we're about to score because we're making it look easy, and that's kind of what the Bruins did in the Eastern Conference Finals. Their power play was so effective that the Hurricanes couldn't find an answer to stop it, and they utilized that in all four games.
0: For sure. So we'll start to wrap it up here because, as you said, you're a busy man and got stuff to do with the NHL and all. So, couple questions, couple last questions for you. We'll kind of change up topics a bit. So, your time, your time in the NHL. Or even AHL. I mean, who was your favorite uh, line mate to play with? Is there one guy that kind of stuck out in particular? Maybe helped you pad the points a little bit, or just uh, good lining.
2: Ains being a rookie, I got some unbelievable opportunities given to me by head coach Paul Maurice, uh, starting the year out a little bit, playing with Hall of Famer Ron Francis. You basically just have to get around the net with your stick on the ice, and yeah, that's not bad. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, being able to get the puck to you, but. The majority of that season, uh, my landmates were Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore and left winger was Marty And I think as a young rookie, when you come in talking about consistency, you knew exactly what those two guys were going to do every night, the hard work they put in um, in the gym and off ice to prepare and then mentally prepare. Um, It was easy for me to feed off both those players um, to find the work ethic you need to play in the National Hockey League. So I'd I'd probably have to say Rod Brindamore and Marty Jelena.
1: Yeah, I was actually – before this, I was actually looking at some of the the rosters you played for, and, um, I mean, that Tampa Bay team was stacked too. I mean, there were so many players on the team that you kind of forget about, and one name that stuck out to me was Corey Stillman. Did you play uh, with him at all?
2: So I played a little bit with Corey Stillman. He wasn't on my line. Um, He was one of those players, I think, when you look back, uh, just such a smart – hockey player i, yeah. I don't think cory would tell anyone he was the fleetest of foot and could beat anyone with his speed but i think the way he saw the game played and how he could read and react and get into the right positions he was always an offensive threat and i think that's what made him such an elite offensive player um not only in tampa but throughout his career
1: yeah i mean he i was looking at his stats and like, cause people don't really remember that name from that long ago. He put up 80 points that season with uh, a long St. Louis, like 94 points or something like that. So he was, I, I just forgot how good of a player he was. And then you had Brad Richards and Vinny O'Keev, obviously,
2: but um, yeah, the year Tampa, the year Tampa won the cup, they were so deep uh, throughout their lineups. And I think uh, John Tortorella did a great job managing his bench because he got quality minutes, even from his fourth line. Um, of the guys going out there and and creating chances and making sure the majority of the play is in the offensive zone. Whenever you're out there with the fourth line, you don't want them playing in your own zone or losing a line change. I think that was another factor in their big win. Not only outstanding goaltending from Nikolai Habiboulin that year was unbelievable, but I think the way he managed his bench and utilized every single guy was huge. Yeah, and
1: then a couple other teams. Uh, These are some AHL teams, the Albany River Rats. Or Albany Rivernets. Uh yeah, Keith the Coin, Matt Murley, Johnny Boychuk. Did you got do you ever play with those guys?
2: Well yeah, in Albany, that year in Albany was a great year. Um Keith the Coin, just an outstanding offensive guy that you know everyone always asks me about playing in the NHL and they talk about guys in the American Hockey League and Keith was one of those guys that could just put up numbers left and right and he never really got a great opportunity in the National Hockey League. I don't know if it was because of his size or what it was, but Offensively his vision, his ability to pass the puck was great. Uh Matt Murley, another veteran guy who played a few games in the National Hockey League but made a great career as well. Johnny Boychuk, he was actually a rookie that year. Um so to see him progress and grow into the great NHL player that he was, he was so big and strong that year in Albany, but he learned so many things and watching him grow. I think that's one of the best things watching guys who make it out of the American League. You can see how much they've grown from the first year in the league. So some great players there in Albany as well, and we had a great year.
0: Yeah, we had we had Keith on back in January. <laughs> He's a wild dude, but, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting how he can be, like, one of the greatest or the, one of the highest-scoring AHL players of all time but kind of not really have that – I don't want to say ability, but just never make that step in the NHL to be a prominent kind of forward or anything. I think that's just how uh, – like you said, it's
1: just kind of his size, and him. like, it's just – he, I, he was never given the, the top six minutes role. He was like, if he made it into the NHL, like he, was
0: with he, the caps, yeah.
1: he was usually bottom six role. And more yeah, accepted. bottom
2: six, not getting, any, not getting any power play time, which he was uh, unbelievable at as well, being the quarterback on the power play. And I think so many teams wanted him. And I think one of the best parts about Keith's game was how mentally strong he was when he was in the American Hockey League, how well he played, because so many guys get frustrated saying, I'm not getting a shot, I'm not getting a shot what am I going to do? And that affects their game. And Keith went out night in, night out and just produced, you know, two, three points a night. Uh, he was a hundred point guy multiple times in the American league. So a credit to him, uh, how well he played, and how mentally tough he was to continue to do that each and every night.
1: Um, and then the last name that I saw he played with was Jordan Everly, when he had to have been a rookie for uh, the Springfield Falcons. Uh, did, could you tell if he was, he was going to be a stud like right away?
2: Um, I think he had that elite level skill, but again, coming in there, um, after his junior season, he came into Springfield and just the usefulness in him, right. It was a part of the game and you hear coaches talk about all the time with young guys. There's not many guys besides the top three picks, or even sometimes those top three picks come in and they don't thrive in the NHL. And it's because you have to learn number one, to play at that high of a physical level, um, against grown men and grow into your physical stature and continue to mature but so many of the little things you need to learn and it's hard to teach a young guy who is so dynamic offensively in junior to come in and tell him, hey defense first and then go on the offense yeah and it's breaking those young guys of their habits of i'm going to cheat a little bit on the offensive side because this worked in junior when i was 19 because yeah. i dominated it doesn't work at this level. Even in the American League, it was tough, but Jordan Eberle always had that high skill level and the ability to put the puck in the back on net. And it was, it was easy to see that he was going to progress, but it was a matter of is he going to put in that time and the student side of it to learn how to create at the NHL level. Gotcha. And
1: then my last question here is um, if you could name one player that you hated playing against, who is it that you hated playing against the most? Like, who was that rat that you just wanted
2: to kill on the ice every time? Well, the one guy, and, he, and to see where he is now in his game, still playing the NHL, um, and the elite level he plays at now is Brad Marchand. Brad yeah. was in Providence um, during my time in the minor leagues. And, I mean, he wasn't a top six player. And he was going around and he was stirring it up like he still does in the NHL, getting under guys' skin. Um, but then to see him kind of explode after playing in, uh, for Team Canada on Crosby's line that one uh, year was really when he got his shot. Yeah. But he was always the agitator type that could get under your skin no matter what the game was. But he was always in the scrums. He'd pop out of nowhere and just get under your skin nonstop. He was always talking and just chirping from the bench and doing his job. And then to see him develop in the offensive threat he is, um, I would have to say he ranks up there uh, in the top of being one of the most annoying guys to play.
1: I was going to say, there's only really two answers, and one's Brad Marchand, and the other one's Sean Avery. I just didn't know which one you'd pick.
2: Yeah, Sean Avery wasn't that bad. I mean, when we played, uh, there were certain things he did, but I would say Marchand was more of the agitator than Avery was at the time when I played. Yeah,
0: sure. Well, Shane, we appreciate you hopping on. Hopefully you're staying safe down there in Carolina, and, um, well, even if we do get a playoff series this year, we're probably going to be fanless. So hopefully we we'll see you down to Carolina next season again.
2: Well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on and like i said hopefully we get through this stay safe as everyone is around the country and uh we get through this all uh healthy and we get back on the ice soon
1: yeah yes, if, if there's a caps versus Kane series we'll have to have you on again yeah give a little preview of it
2: game one we'll be getting ready to go game
0: right. one we'll go all right shane have a good one buddy thanks guys thanks man yep stay safe
1: been keeping myself so busy Pushing out the misery Trying to find the peace
0: in me I want to be I